Well, it has been a, a little while since I've been here. I think it's been more than a few months, maybe a couple of years. And I came back and some of the kids have just shot up. How life grows. Well, it's wonderful to be back. I thank you for the invitation and the opportunity. And um, it's a privilege to share the pulpit, uh, Pastor Suarez's pulpit. So I want to thank him for that as well. And... Um, and God is good. It's good to be here. It really is good to be here. Nice church. So, we're going to get into the Word of God. Um, what you'll need is notepad or some, something to write on and, some pay, and a pen, okay? Because you need to take some notes. And we're just going to jump into this topic of growing up prayer. Growing up prayer, okay? Before we get into this topic, I'm going to invite you to bow your heads and just pause a moment while we invite the Holy Spirit to be the ultimate so let us pray. Our Father and our God, we want to thank you, dear Lord, for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to become one with you, to know you personally, to develop a relationship with you, to love you intently, and to give our lives to you. And we pray, dear Lord, that during this time of worship and study, that you'll speak to us. So send us your Holy Spirit. We pray, the Lord, that your Holy Spirit will not just fill this place, but it will fill our hearts and minds. We pray, the Lord, that your Holy Spirit will speak to us and point out areas in our lives where we can grow and become more like you. Forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all righteousness. Because we pray this prayer in Jesus' name. Let everybody say, Amen. 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 I have a, a great passion about the second coming. Okay? I I'm really am very, very passionate about it. And I, I really want to emphasize one thing. And I want you to take this home with you. Jesus is coming soon. I want you to just think about that. Contemplate on that. And think, what difference would, would I... Would, what difference does that fact make in my life since I know that Jesus is coming soon? What will I do differently tomorrow as a result of the fact that Jesus is coming soon? Now, we've been saying that for a long, long time. Jesus is coming soon. Jesus is coming soon. I just want to give you some things that happen in our society today which may point to or be indicators of our soon coming Lord. How many of you want to see Jesus come? Amen. Praise God. Okay. So first of all, I'm, I'm going to give you some things that have been happening in the news all within the last year, or the last few months, okay? Interesting stories which point to where we are in this world's history. The first one is taken from June 19th, and you can get the finest article on NBC, okay? Drag Queen Story Hour brings pride and glamour to libraries across America. Did you realize this? So I've taken my kids to the library for the story hour, and the, and the librarian sits down and tells them these are books, and there may be some, some coloring and drawing afterwards. They have a whole new flower on this scene, and it started off in California, okay, where they were bringing a drag queen, and they have these special drag queen books, and they'll sit down in their full regalia, all made up and stuff, and, and sit down and tell the story, well, I'll children, I'll children. <laughs> 
Okay? And it's true, and it's spreading across the United States. You know, when I see stories like this, okay, my mind thinks of, my mind thinks of um, um, Sodom and Gomorrah. Okay? Where, where sin had become so acceptable, there was a way of life. Okay? And I know that God destroys Sodom and Gomorrah because of their attitude. Okay? When they, when they were comfortable with outrageous forms of sin. Are we seeing that in this society today? Jesus is coming soon. Okay? It says this in Deuteronomy 22, verse 5 in the Bible, it's still true and trustworthy. A woman must not put on men's clothing. And a man must not wear women's clothing. That is clothing specifically designed for a man or woman. Okay? Anyone who does this is detestable in the sight of the Lord your God. Okay? Still true. Ellen White says this, I saw that God's order has been reversed and his special direction is disregarded by those who adopt the American costume. I would refer to Deuteronomy chapter 22 verse 5. God would not have his people adopt the so-called reform dress. It is immodest. Immodest apparel, wholly unfitted for the humble followers of Christ. Let's move on. Uh, also, NBC, July 26. Parents of Phoebe's. You know what Phoebe's are? I'm going to tell you. Allow their kids to choose what gender to identify as from above. So when you normally have a baby, you go, oh my goodness, we've got a baby boy. Oh, we've got a baby girl. We've been so much and all this long. That's how you usually carry on, don't you? Take little pictures, send it to your relatives. You're so happy we've got a baby boy. No. So these parents decide, you know what? We ain't going to label them as boy or girl. We'll let them decide what gender they want to be. No, I'm serious. So instead of calling them him or her, they usually say they. That's why we really call Phoebe's. Phoebe's. Okay? And, it is, and, they, and they grow up, um, they, they, they can wear what they want, you know, if they want to wear, if a little boy wants to wear a dress, that's okay. He's just finding himself and discovering himself. You know, and it's true. And, and um, you read the whole article. I only took out a snippet of it. And so this couple started in 2011 doing that, and it was a, it was a follow upon that. So that stories, okay? Craziness, craziness happening around us. Okay, Judges 17 verse 6. It says this: In those days, Israel had no king. All the people did whatever seemed right. In their eyes. Because there was no leadership, and more importantly, no spiritual leadership, it, get, it left a vacuum, and in this vacuum, people say, Well, I'll just do what I think is right. You know, I think this is right, I think that is right, I'll just, I'll just do it. You know, because there's no spiritual, nobody saying, This is the way, this is what God wants, this is the law. Nobody's saying that. So people just say, oh, we'll just do what we want. Everybody did what was right in their own eyes. And in Judges chapter 19, with that horrible story happening in Judges chapter 19, if you don't know, read it. Okay. David Diddle, Australian scientist, 104, ends his life happy. David, 104 is old, isn't it? Anybody here 104? I have a member in my church who's 102. Okay. 104, 104. And he decides to end his life. Was he sick? No. 
Was he was he losing mind? You know, no, no. He said, you know, I'm just, I'm just, no purpose in living. I'll just die. I just, I'll just go to. I think it was Sweden he went to. Was it Switzerland? I'll just go to Switzerland and die. You know, because I've got no reason to. I mean, goodness, where is the hope? Where is the excitement about life? And this is one of the things I love about Christianity. Once you become a Christian and you embrace this relationship with Jesus, there is an excitement and passion for life. You've got a new focus, a new energy, a new vibrancy. You, think, you know, as long as I live, as long as I have strength, I can be serving my God, passionate with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my strength. Because you have this passion for life. You don't run out dry and say, okay... You know, 104, I've got nothing worth living. I mean, and this guy could walk around still this stuff. No hope. This world is dying for Jesus Christ. Dying for Jesus Christ. CBS um, reported this. Stephen Hawking, you know Stephen Hawking died recently, you know that? And what is Stephen Hawking famous for? Stephen, you know Stephen, who Stephen Hawking is? Okay. Astrophysicist, yes. Anything else about Mr. Hawkins? Or Dr. Hawkins? Anything else? He's an atheist. He's an a- atheist. Okay? Diehard atheist. Okay? And it's interesting that this person, um, this atheist, was buried and, and his ashes were put into Westminster Abbey. You know, it's, it's, but what was also interesting is that um, um, Charles Darwin, Charles is also buried, his ashes buried in Westminster Abbey. Westminster Abbey is uh, the main church for the Church of England, okay? The main church. And um, I'm thinking, how can you put you know, these two people um, who are devout atheists, and especially Charles Darwin, who has done so much to damage God and damage Christianity, how can you then tell bury him and give him a Christian burial in Westminster Abbey? It just, it just blows my mind. Isaac Newton, I understand, because Isaac Newton was a Christian, okay? But Charles Darwin, you know, uh, Stephen Hawking, I don't think so. I don't see how we can say, you know, oh, we'll just bury them in the Abbey. And he, but he tells, speaks more about the state of the Church of England and their, and their policies and their thinking than um, anything else. Okay, and then a few about a few about the Catholic Church. Okay, the Vatican Secretary of State attended the Bilderberg meeting. Have you heard of the Bilderberg meeting? Have you received an invitation to the Bilderberg meetings? <laughs> I think we're in the wrong league. <laughs> we're in the wrong league. Okay, Bilderberg meeting is a, 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 a meeting that they have once a year, where the, the most powerful and rich people in the world come together and discuss issues. There's no agenda um, given. There's no minutes taken. Nothing's recorded. Very secretive meeting. Okay, and they thought, and they talk about the, the direction of the world. And you know, you know, when we have a board meeting, we talk about the direction of this church. Okay, so they come together and they talk about the direction of the whole world. Okay, and its economy. And they thought it important enough to invite the uh, the Vatican Secretary of State. To their meeting, Vatican Secretary. Um, they didn't ask uh, Neil Wilson to attend, or any other religious leader, but they did ask the Vatican Secretary of State 
3.10. He got an official invitation. I'm saying this because it points to the rise in power and prominence of the Roman Catholic Church. As, and as Adventists, we know that this is happening in the last days. Okay? Another one, New York Times. Okay, I put down where I got it and the date so you can search, research this online because you should never believe what the preacher tells you. No, you shouldn't. You shouldn't. Write it down, check it out for yourself. Write it down, check it out for yourself. I could be lying to you. So write it down, check it out for yourself. Okay, New York Times, June 9. Pope tells all executives to act on climate change. There is no time to lose. I found this interesting. You read the article. Okay, it's very hard to get an appointment with some of these CEOs of these major oil companies like Exxon and, and BP. But the Pope calls a meeting and they clear their calendar, fly to Rome and meet with the Pope. Okay. <laughs> and, and, and he tells them, listen guys, you guys got to sort out, sort your stuff out, we've got climate change. Okay, and I'm just thinking, here's the Pope taking the lead in climate change. And, and some of the biggest companies in the world, because some of the oil companies are some of the biggest in the world, will clear their calendar and say, okay, we'll go to this meeting to be told off by the Pope that we're not doing enough. I, said, I just was like, wow, wow, wow. That's the power and influence of the Pope. Okay, also in the, and this is, this is the crux. Roman Catholic newspaper, okay? You may not have heard of it before. The Crooks, Roman Catholic newspaper, and July the 3rd, 2018. The U.S. Secretary of State says the Catholic Church has central role in fight for religious freedom. So this U.S. Secretary of State basically had a meeting not too long ago, called together all these people who were advocating for um, religious freedom because in, not, in every country there isn't well, in most countries, there isn't a religious, total religious freedom, okay? And he, said, and he basically called these people to say, all these different religions, said, you know what, in all, you know, if you, even if you're Muslim or Buddhist or Hindu or Sikh or Christian, the Pope has a central role. And when you have a central role, you have a leading role, you have a pivotal role. So here's the Secretary of State giving the Pope a central role to play, that is state and religion coming together. And the state empowering a religious organization and giving them a central role. Isn't this what the church talks about and teaches? How many of you have no idea why I'm saying this? Okay, this is like, whoosh! Okay? Then we really, if, you do, if, if it's not making sense, you need to sit down with somebody and say, you need to teach me about the end time because this is serious. Okay? It's serious. These things are happening around us. Around us. I mean, remember all these articles were from June and July. June and July this year. Okay? I didn't say anything last year or a year ago. Within the last two months, all these things are happening. Okay? That's how quickly things are going. Jesus is coming soon. We've got to wake up, get a grip of this idea and these realities, and do something because Jesus Christ is coming soon. Jesus Christ is coming soon. So, let's get in with the sermon. There's just, just some things I wanted to highlight, but we're going to focus in on today. Growing up 
prayer. It's expected that you know when baby Isaac is six months old, he's not gonna be the same as he is now. We pray, you're gonna feed him and he's gonna grow, and eventually, eventually he will stop crawling. You remember that stage where they're crawling, and then they will stop pulling things down and as they pull themselves up. You remember? And they're, and they're holding on to things, and they're tottering, and their legs are wide apart like this, and they're tottering, and then they start walking, and you think, oh, they're walking, they're so excited. And then, and then they start running, and you feel, oh no. And then they, and then they, then they start walking upright. And then you get to the end of life, okay, and you start bending over. <laughs> and then you need something to walk with. <laughs> and then you don't walk very much, and you like to lie down and rest and sleep all afternoon, okay? That's the cycle of life. It's expected. We know it so well. And, 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 and if it doesn't happen, we, we feel that it's wrong. And even though we don't want to get to the other end, and we, we, we become vegan, we eat healthily and do exercise, but in reality, we're all going to get old. If Jesus is coming, we're all going to get old. It's a cycle of life. Do you remember this guy? Who remembers his name? Woo! Who said Gary Coleman? You said, oh, girl, you're a quick man. Gary Coleman, that's his name. Okay, Gary Coleman. And what, why is he famous for? What are you talking about, Willis? Do you remember the name of the show? Different strokes, okay? And what was, it, what was interesting about Gary Coleman was that he actually had a disease and it was artificially short. Okay, he had a kidney problem and as a result of treatment, it stunted his growth. And I think he was only four foot two or something like that. He was short, short guy. And he, and he wasn't expected, he wasn't normal. He didn't grow up to be a full height of a man. He was just four foot two and eventually died in his forties. Okay? It wasn't, he had a disease. And the same with our, our, our children, that if our, our children aren't progressing, if their children aren't growing, if our children aren't developing, if, if they will, we will take them to the doctor, you know, and say, Doctor, I'm putting good food into this child. Why isn't he growing? Okay? We, 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 you know, we're investing in time and energy to make him grow, and he's not growing. There's something wrong. We want the doctor to fix it. Tell us what the problem is. Fix it so he can grow. So he can grow. We want to grow healthy kids. Okay? But the same is true for us spiritually. There is a process of growth in our spirituality. We are not to remain the same forever. We are to grow up to maturity, Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11. Grow up to maturity. That means there is a process that we have to grow, go through. You just don't get baptized and then, bam, whoosh, you're a spiritual adult. No, you have to grow up to maturity. There's things that you have to do to uh, enable you to grow as a Christian. And, and over the years, you should, be, you should be able to see the difference between you five years ago and you now. And you you shouldn't be the same as you are now, five years from now. There should be growth, difference, maturity, Christian maturity. Evidence so that people can see it. People can see it. So Paul is encouraging people to grow up to maturity. And I'm going to put it to you this. That the way we pray 
is an indicator of where we are spiritually. Okay, let me say that. The way we pray is an indicator of where we are spiritually. So, so how? So, as we grow up, our prayer life matures and changes. So, if we examine our prayer life, we can see where we are spiritually. Okay, you 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 are tracking with me, church? Yes, yes. Good. Okay. So, I think we start off this Christian journey as sinners. When we start off as a sinner, um, hating God, and then, we, and then we hear the gospel, and the, the gospel is preached to us, and we accept it. We accept it, okay? Things change, and I think we change because we, we pray the sinner's prayer. And you remember the sinner's prayer? Lord, have mercy upon me, a sinner. You know, this was the simple, simple, the simple prayer where you say, Lord, I'm accepting you into my heart and giving you my sins and giving you my future. Take my life. I'm turning it around and I'm becoming a Christian now. That's, just, that's basically the sinner's prayer. You, you pray that, isn't it? When you ran down to the altar and they appeal and you're weeping, Lord, I've been wrong. You remember that? You remember that. Amen? Amen. Come on, we pray that prayer. The sinner's prayer. Okay, which focusing on just accepting the gospel and then saying, Lord, you need to sort out my past because my past is messed up. Then there's the, the spiritual babe. Okay, so you, you just got born and now you're the spiritual babe. And as a babe, you, you pray a very. Um, let, me, let me ask you this. Um, how many, you know, those of you who have been parents, okay? How many of you have ever had a child, or know of a child, or heard of a child who's selfless? A baby, you know, you have, a, have this baby, and, they, and, they, and not, the diaper needs changing, okay? How many of you, and, and what do they do? They start to cry. They start to cry. How many of you have known of a baby who says, you know what, mom, you, you, you take five minutes sleep, you know, you, you just rest for a while. I can see you're tired. I'll, I'll just lay here in this, in this steady diaper and, and you, you, after, when you're ready, you get up and you sort me out. So, you know. How many of you know a baby like that? Not one? <laughs> because babies are selfish. So babies are all about me, me, me. I'm hungry. I need this. I need that. Me, me, me. Now, now, now. Okay? That's what babies are like. That's what babies are like. And it's expected as a baby. We don't expect it later on. But it's expected as a baby. And the same with a Christian. A babe Christian, when he prays, his prayers are very focused in on himself. Lord, I need, I want, I want, I want, I want. I need to you some thank yous. I thank you for this, and thank you for that, and thank you for that. And, but I still need, <laughs> need, I want, I want, I want, I want. You know. and it's basically a, a, a shopping list of things that we desire, want, need, or face, or whatever. We, we, we want it now, okay? And after we say, amen, we prayed. That's good. Okay? That's the babe, Christian babe, praying. Then, after that, hopefully you mature on from that and realize that there's more in life than just you. That there's other people, okay, and that you're part of a family, part of a church, and you start praying like a worker. Now, a worker, a Christian worker, realizes that, realizes that he has a role and responsibility to play in the body of Christ. Yeah? 
There's a role and responsibility to play in the body of Christ. And so he starts to pray, Lord, show me what role I am to fill. Or show me how I can help somebody. Or show me how I can make a difference in somebody. He starts to pray for more than himself. He starts to pray for his community. He starts to pray for his church. He starts to pray for the people around. Okay? He starts to pray for others. Okay? Uh, and then there is the leader. Okay? Uh, a leader's prayer is, um, is different from others because a leader can hear the voice of God. Now, I've spoken about the voice of God here before, haven't I? You've forgotten. Okay? A leader can hear the voice of God. And when you pray and you can hear the voice of God, it's different because then you can dialogue with God. Okay? So normally, our prayers are one way. Lord, And then we get up and we go. Okay? But a leader can hear back from God. So he will talk to God and dialogue with God. Just like you dialogue with your friends. Think about Abraham, who is described as a friend of God. Abraham would dialogue with God. Genesis chapter 15, Genesis chapter 17, two examples of Abraham's intense conversation with God. Remember when Abraham in Genesis chapter 15 still hasn't known, he still hasn't had a child as yet. And God says, you know what, Abraham, I'm going to make you the leader of a great nation. And Abraham says, how can I be when I don't even have a child? And the person who's going to inherit everything is a laser of Damascus. And God says, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. You, you, and he took him outside. And he says, can you see the stars? Yes, God, I see the stars. Can you count the stars? No, I can't count the stars. And God says, your descendants will be more numerous than the stars in the sky. Do you hear this whole conversation that they're having? A leader is able to converse with God. Converse with God. Think about Moses. I see, I've seen some skeptical faces. Moses, had the, in, in the, in, when they're marching out of Israel, uh, uh, out of Egypt, going to the promised land, they set up the tabernacle right in the middle of their whole camp. And each tribe had a place to camp around the tabernacle. And outside of that whole encampment, Moses set up a completely separate tent. Okay, they had the tabernacle, which is Shekinah glory and the Ark of the Covenant, okay? And then outside, he had a tent called a Tent of Meeting. And, and when Moses wanted to talk with God, he would get up from his, his own tent. He wouldn't go to the tabernacle, but he would go to the Tent of Meeting. And then he would enter it, and the Shekinah glory of God would rise up from the tabernacle, travel across and come down upon the tent of meeting. And there the two would talk face to face as a man would talk with his friends, the Bible says. They would dialogue. That's the relationship that he had as a leader with God. And Joshua, who was going to be the leader, he spent all his time in the tent of meeting, building up this ability to dialogue with God. So great leaders have the ability to dialogue with God. Think of the difference that would make in your life if you could hear from God straight away. 
Think of the difference that would make. You would have a question, bang, you just get an answer. Uh, let me give you an illustration. Okay, so one day my wife Paula, she lost her purse. She lost her purse. Okay, she's searching the house trying to find this purse. Okay, can't find the purse. Goes in the car, searches at the car trying to find the purse. Can't find the purse. And eventually she asks me, he says, oh, Robert, can you help me find this purse? I said, okay, let's pray. Okay, so we kneel down, we pray. And you know, I'm just going to be real with you. Sometimes you can get annoyed with God. You can, okay? You can, let's be real. You can get annoyed with God because God knows exactly where that purse is. You know it. You know, he knows exactly where it is. And you're searching about the house and you're getting frustrated. And you think, Lord, so we, we pray. And I, after we pray, Paula goes on searching. And I sit down in his chair and say, Lord, I ain't getting up from here until you tell me where that purse is. <laughs> and in that instance, I receive a vision. And the vision is only like a, a, a second or two long, okay? And, and in this vision, I see the passenger door open of the car, and I look down. That's all I see. The passenger door open, and I look down, okay? Now, please remember, Paul has already searched the car. So I go pick up the car keys, I go and I, and I go to the passenger side of the car, I open up the door, and down in that compartment in the door, there's my wife's purse. Think of the difference hearing God's voice will make in your life. True leaders need to have the ability to hear God's voice. Sometimes we, our organizations are weak because we have leaders who are great workers, gifted workers, but they do not have the ability to hear the voice of God yet. Okay? They're gifted and talented. We say, oh, you've been so blessed and your ministry is going so well. Praise God for you. Let's put you into leadership. Big mistake. Big mistake. Wait till they're able to hear from God. And when they hear from God, then they're ready for spiritual leadership. And then there's one final stage. There is a stage beyond that, and that's the stage of a prophet. A prophet. A prophet not only can dialogue with God, but he knows the thoughts and mind of God. He knows how God feels and thinks in any particular situation. Some of you have been married a long time. True, isn't it? Yeah, you've been married a long time. Some of you like 20 odd years. You know how long you've been married? 15? God, that's only 15 years. <laughs> Some of you have been married... 30 years, some of you even 30 years. Damn. Some of you even long. And you realize that the longer you get married, the more you know your partner's mind. Mm-hmm. You, 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 you see that if you're, uh-oh, here they come. <laughs> you, you see, you see, you see. Come back, don't come back. Or you know if they need a hug, you know what they need. You, you know their thoughts. You, you can see a situation you can see a situation and without saying a word you know what your partner's thinking about that situation you do you do because you spent so long together spending quality time together that you know their thoughts and their feelings the same is true of us and God 
You can get to a state situation where you spend so much time with God that you know his thoughts and feelings about a situation. You know if you'll be upset in this situation. You know how he feels about this. Okay? You know God intimately. Let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. Let me give you this quote from A.W. Tozer. A.W. Tozer is an Adventist, but I think he's spot on here. Spot on. Let me read it to you. Talking about spiritual growth, okay? There are Christians who grow up and have no relish for anything spiritually advanced. They pre- they're preoccupied with their first lessons. The average church is a school with only one grade, and that is the first one. These Christians never expect to get beyond that, and they don't want to hear a man very long who wants to take them beyond that. If their pastor insists that they do their homework and get ready for the next grade, they begin to pray, and the Lord that they begin to pray that the Lord will call uh, their brother somewhere else. It's true. It's true. I believe it's true. Hopefully, not here. Hopefully, your church will desire spiritual excellence in your life and want to grow. So. Okay. I want to give you three things which will help you in your prayer life. Okay? Because already you've kind of, you've already been thinking, okay, am I a sinner? Am I praying like a babe? Am I praying like a worker? Or do I have the ability to dialogue with God? Or do I know the mind of God? Okay? You already placed yourself somewhere along that line. Okay? I want to give you three tips that you can develop to help advance, strengthen, grow your prayer life. Okay? Just your prayer life. The first one is this. Pray from a prayer list. Okay? So I have a prayer list. It's a, a little black book. And oftentimes when you're, when you're a pastor, people will come to you and say, Pastor, can you pray for me? And you, and you, you want to pray for them, okay? And if I don't write it down, you know what's going to happen if I don't write it down? I'm going to forget. I'm going to forget, you know, and I, feel, and I, and I, and I, have, I have my prayer time in my morning, and, I, like to, and I, um, I would like to pray for you. So it's nice for me to, it works for me to have a prayer list. So I'll write your name down in my little black book, and I'll write down the issues that you're facing. I'll write down the date when we, when we had this conversation, and then and I'll pray for a couple of pages each morning of names. And then, you know, so I'll continue to pray for you. And as the Spirit leads, I may send you a text or send you an email. Or if I read an article, I'll send that to you to encourage you in, in whatever you're facing. It's important for us to have a prayer list. And when we have a prayer list, it helps us to think beyond ourselves. It helps us to be systematic about our prayer life. It helps us to be thorough, to make sure that we're touching every corner or aspect of our prayer life. Okay, so have a prayer list. Have a prayer list. Second habit is this learn to listen. Learn to listen in your prayers. So stop praying a monologue, stop praying at God, and start praying with God. Okay, so during your prayer, this is how you do it during your prayer, stop and listen. 
Not just at the end of your prayer, but during your prayer as well. Ask God a question. So, what, 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 how can I help Ingrid and Michael with their baby Isaac? I stop and listen. Okay? How can I be a support to the Pathfinder Club? Stop and listen. Okay? What, can, what can I do with my, my colleagues at work? Stop and listen. Okay? And in pausing to listen, you give opportunity for God to talk to you. Now, you, you may not hear an audible sound, because you know, I, I've never heard an audible sound of God, voice of God. But your ideas will come into your head. Ideas and thoughts and suggestions. And you take them as the voice of God and act upon them. Act upon them. So during your prayers, learn to stop and ask God open-ended questions. Okay? Ask God for his opinion. And then stop and listen. And I'm sure that God enjoys it better than a monologue. Listen to a monologue. Because imagine this. How would you like it if your friend every day, you know, your friend would phone you up and say, Hey, Betty! And you never got a word you didn't even get you didn't even have time to say hi, you know? How would you feel? I know what you would do. Some of you would start blocking that number, wouldn't you? Come on now. <laughs> Come on, you would start blocking that number. <laughs> Get your caller ID out and work it. Oh, no. It's Betty again. No, thank you. I don't have the time for this. Okay? So, you know, we, we have to stop, stop praying like children and start having a conversation with him. And you know what? As well, yeah. The third thing is this. We need to learn to biblically meditate. I've spoken about meditation before here, but let me just re-emphasize one important lesson. Meditation isn't the Eastern transcendental into your mind stuff. That is dangerous. Never, ever do that. You enter your mind, and evil spirit can come in and plant ideas and suggestions there. So never, ever do that. But biblical meditation is a focusing of your mind. The focus of your mind. So, you know, Bible says, especially David, he says, all night long I will meditate on your precepts. I will meditate on your law. I will meditate on your words. So he's thinking about a particular thing. So he will find a quiet place. So he's getting out of silence, not in a silence. He'll find a quiet place where he can concentrate his mind on thinking about God. So we need to have our quiet time. Society and life can be very busy. It can be go, go, go from the moment you get up. And from the moment you get some people have non-stop silence all the time. They get up, they, they start playing music, or they, 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 sorry, they're working by the alarm clock, they, they turn it on, it's a radio, and they listen to the news, trying to get the traffic and the weather, and they're getting ready, listening to the news, and they jump in the car, they turn some music on, they get to work, it's all busy and noisy at work, and they, and they drive home, listen to more music, and then, and then, then they get home, and it's all the kids going, Rah! In the, in the house, and then they sit down, and, and then they put, turn the TV on, and they get bombarded with more sound, and more sound, and they call into bed, and they say amen, and they, and, and they go to sleep. And it's, where's the silence? Where's the silence? Where's the quiet time? Where's that thoughtful hour that you can spend with God? We need to create these oases of silence. 
Okay, please, I'm not talking about anything mystical or Easter. I'm talking about meditating on God, having quietness with God, stopping the craziness of the world and saying, Lord, I just want to hear from you. Okay, three things. But most importantly, Ingrid and Michael, we've got to model these in our lives to young people, to young people. A lot of young people, they know how to pray a babe's prayer. And they'll just go through a long list of things that they want. I need, I need, I need. But we need to start teaching them by example how to have silence, how to pray from a list, how to, how, to, um, how to listen for the voice of God. We need to model that. So in our family worship time, okay, how many of you still have family worship? Put your hand up. Okay. <laughs> in our family worship time, in our personal time when we're worshiping God, we need to incorporate these things into our family worship so that our kids can grow up seeing it so it becomes second nature to them and that they, they, it seems natural for them to grow up to a mature level of Christianity. We expect our kids to grow up and become Adventists and get baptized but we, want to, we should expect more than that. We, we should expect that they should mature in their Christianity and grow up to be a leader or a prophet and, and be able to communicate and connect with God like that. They need to see it. When we pray, we need to pray like that. You know, I would love to um, be able to sit down and, and teach you know, our leaders who pray public prayers to incorporate silence and listening for God's voice. I was so pleased when Gary said, you know, have hot, uh, 30 seconds where you can have some quiet to pray this morning. We need to have more times where we just listen for the voice of God and model it to our children. So children learn more from what you are than, from what, than what you teach. So we have to live this life so that we can teach it to our children. You want your children to be saved? You want your children to make it to heaven? You want all the young people to make it to heaven? Then live the Christian life. Live that life. Become mature Christians. Grow up in your faith. And then one day you will make it. The reality is this. The end of the world is coming. Jesus is coming. I really believe he's going to come in my lifetime. Really, really do. Peter says this, the end of the world is coming soon. Therefore be earnest and disciplined in your prayer. You've got to have a disciplined prayer life and then God will be able to talk to you and show you what changes you need to make, how to get ready for his second coming, how to prepare your family, how to prepare this church, how to be a witness in this community, how to get ready. Be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Let's shake up prayer meeting. Let's rejuvenate it. Let's get back to praying, seeking God's face, listening to his voice, and be ready for the second coming. Amen.